90% of physicians say it's important to diagnose MCI because it's considered an early stage or a precursor to Alzheimer's. But over half say they're just not fully comfortable diagnosing it just because it can be very difficult mm-hmm. to diagnose mild cognitive impairment yeah. because and, it can be so mild. And it's interesting you say that because here, I would say in the last couple of years, when I talk to families, they'll say, oh, my mom or dad has been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. I am hearing that more. But mm-hmm. before it was always, oh, you know, the doctor said they're just getting older and they, you know, are a little forgetful, a little mm-hmm. senility. You know, they're using, they were using those terms. So it's interesting now that they are calling it something else and are seeing that there is that correlation between it becoming Alzheimer's. Welcome to Aging in Style with me, Lori Williams. I'm an optimist by nature, and I believe you can follow your dreams at any age. My grandmother's journey with dementia ignited a passion in me to work with seniors. I've spent the past 13 years learning about seniors and aging. In my mid-50s, I followed my own dream and founded my company, where I use my expertise to help seniors locate housing and resources. On this podcast, we cover all aspects of aging. Join us each week to meet senior living experts and inspirational seniors who are following their dreams. The fact is, we're all aging, so why not do it in style? Hi, welcome to today's episode of Aging in Style. We have back with us this month, Tanisha Tyler Carr. She is the Programs and Services Coordinator for the Alzheimer's Association, Dallas and Northeast Texas chapter. And today she is going to be sharing with us the 2022 Alzheimer's disease facts and figures. This is really critical information that comes out every year. And we're going to dive into this report and the facts and figures where they get it from, how they use it. But it's truly to prove that Alzheimer's is a public health crisis. And, you know, when Tanisha said that to me, that really resonated with me that we don't often think of it that way, but it is, it is a public health crisis. So welcome to Nisha. Thank you for having me back, Lori. It's a pleasure. Of course. So happy to have you back. So tell us a little bit about this report. Absolutely. Well, the facts and figures report is compiled every year by the Alzheimer's Association, uh, typically in the first or second week of March. And it's just a statistical resource for U.S. related data to Alzheimer's disease, which is the most common uh, cause of dementia. But this report also talks about other related dementia. But it's just background and context for interpretation based on the data. You know, it's an overview. And there is additional sections in this special report that really address prevalence, mortality, morbidity, caregiving, and the dementia care workforce, and the use and cost of healthcare long-term as well as hospice. And this special report examines consumers, which are family members and people living with the diagnosis and primary care physicians, perspectives on awareness, diagnosis, and treatment of mild cognitive impairment, which is uh, typically called MCI is the acronym, but it stands for mild cognitive impairment, including MCI that is due to Alzheimer's disease. Great. And where does all of this information come from? Where is it pulled from? These are pulled from interviews and studies specifically conducted by the Alzheimer's Association. And if you go to alz.org forward slash facts, you can actually download the special report. There are several options when you go on that page. The actual special report is about 122 pages. So obviously you can uh, download that and read it for yourself. There's also a short 
infographic that kind of hits the high points. So uh, that information is cited in the special report. The interviews, they've conducted the studies and statistic results so that you know that this is vetted information that the Alzheimer's Association has compiled. Excellent. And I love the infographic. I have that printed out here and I'll actually share it on social media too. But I'd like to talk about some of these facts and figures. Some of them are really shocking to me, especially when it comes to caregivers for people with dementia and how many people, how this affects their lives and how much money it ends up costing. So let's kind of talk about some of the facts and figures. Okay. I'd love to go over just some quick highlights for you. Well, uh, once again, every year uh, this is compiled and, uh, you know, what we learned differently this, this year in 2022, Alzheimer's disease facts and figures specifically uh, focuses on MCI, mild cognitive impairment. Uh, but the number that is still uh, still ever present is there's more than 6 million Americans living with Alzheimer's disease or other related dementia. And by 2050, this number is projected to rise to nearly 13 million. Wow. One in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or another type of Dementia, so it kills more. Currently, the statistics indicate it kills more than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. Uh, we all know that the pandemic and just the presence of COVID-19 pandemic has definitely affected people who are living with Alzheimer's and other type of dementia and their care partners. In 2020, COVID-19 contributed to a 17% increase in Alzheimer's and dementia deaths. Yeah, we have seen that so much in the families that we talk to, how people decline so much during COVID. So I definitely agree with that statistic for sure. Mm-hmm. What are some other facts and figures that you found? And I know I mentioned earlier about caregivers. I know mm-hmm. one of the facts and figures on the sheet is over 11 million Americans provide unpaid care for people with Alzheimer's or dementia. And that mm-hmm. that this one, this one just staggered me that these caregivers provided more than 16 billion hours valued at nearly $272 billion. That is incredibly huge amount. Absolutely. You know, we always hear the phrase, you know, time is money. And you, we can actually uh, calculate this by looking at this report <laughs> yeah. realistically. And as you know, with the families you work with in the community, we both work in, you know, a lot of care partners are having to uh, be full time care partners and they're not working. Mm-hmm. And they're caring for their loved one full time. So they are, you know, 11 million Americans are providing unpaid care for their loved ones and calculating that to 16 billion hours of care. And that's, you know, compared to the type of rates, you know, that care would cost when mm-hmm. it comes to caring for someone with this disease. So they're providing unpaid care in lots and lots of hours and times and days and weeks and months and years of care. That is absolutely expensive when you think about just the time. And not just that, you look at these people who've had to basically pause their lives to care for their loved ones. They are losing out on maybe their career, maybe Mm -hmm. having to step back either part-time hours or not work at all. And then they're losing money they could have made, advances they could have made if they you know, were working during this time, not to mention all of the people who are in the sandwich generation and mm-hmm. raising kids and taking care of their aging loved ones. So it, it definitely is. It is a, a crisis. 
No, you're absolutely correct. That's such a good point. You know, we're not just talking about uh, based on rates of, you know, just providers and, you know, what that care would cost from that standpoint. But you're also, you know, looking at, like you said, people who are not able to work and they're losing, you know, time and money because they're not able to advance their careers. Mm -hmm. um, And they're utilizing, you know, very, you know, meager means um, based on policies and, uh, you know, if there's any savings for long-term care to really take care of their loved ones. And sometimes not even having any of that, you know, mm-hmm. not having truly the means to take care of their loved one and not being able to work. It is, it can be very devastating. It really can. And then if you kind of like think about it going further, say 20, 30 years when this person who's been a caregiver, okay, now they reach an age, they don't have the savings or social security put Absolutely. in, then what's going to happen if they have dementia and need care? So, which, you know, kind of looking at this other statistic on here, saying that by 2050, the cost could rise of Alzheimer's mm-hmm. to $1 trillion. Absolutely. This is a very expensive disease to treat. And especially the longer people are living with this disease, the more people are being diagnosed with this disease. This is why this is definitely a public health crisis, which is why this report is so important. Mm -hmm. And so it's the proof that this is a public health crisis because this is what is currently happening now. This is what it is costing us as a nation now. And as people age, as my generation, as your generation and generations younger are starting to age and getting closer to their senior years, just think about the cost of that care. So this information is just so important to take and then you use it to further research and funding. What Mm -hmm. kind of things do they do with this? You know, I know it's it's one of those things. It's like, how do you solve it? Because it's just so huge. But what are some of the things that they are working on? Well, the importance of this report is really to speak to, like I mentioned before, the prevalence, the financial impact, the mm-hmm. impact on care partners, the impact on individuals that are diagnosed and the impact that it's going to have as far as our government funds. So this is important to really uh, let our government know that this is a public health crisis and there needs to be more funding for research and ultimately a cure. But not only that, uh, when we're thinking about caregiver programs and programs for people who are aging, who could possibly develop Alzheimer's or another type of dementia as they age, you know, this just really speaks to, we need more funding for programs to take care of those who are affected and those who may become affected in the future. Mm-hmm. If you're a caregiver, what are some things, resources that are out there for you? And I know there's so much through the Alzheimer's Association, but but I'd like to, you know, give maybe some tips for our caregivers. Well, I think it is important if you think that you may or someone you know may have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or another type of dementia, the first thing I would say is definitely go through the process of getting screened, you know, going to the doctor, going to your primary care physician. And also being referred to a specialist, a geriatrician, an internist, a neurologist, someone who specializes in geriatric medicine to do further testing to really determine if you are a loved one is dealing with Alzheimer's or another type of dementia. I think that's the first step. And if you already have a diagnosis, getting in contact with the Alzheimer's Association, of course, but also getting in contact with your local area agency on aging. 
getting in contact with uh, Medicaid, Medicare, and just really trying to see what programs you're eligible for. I think it's also important to start early planning is always key because as we know, the longer you wait to plan, the harder it's going to be when you're in crisis mode. So (laughs) planning, having those discussions about legal and financial planning ahead of time, power of attorney, understanding uh, what your medical rights are, programs that you can access, understanding legal and financial planning as you think about long-term care, especially as someone is living with this diagnosis and their abilities are changing, Mm -hmm. Um, understanding how to plan for care ultimately in the home, which is we all want to age safely at home and, you know, live out our days at home, but planning for that, planning for if plans change, you know, if there's an emergency, if your family structure changes, really that legal and financial planning is absolutely key. Understanding what documents you need to have in place now, understanding uh, what the future may look like and planning for that. Absolutely. And actually, I was just a guest on Table Talk, and we can connect that also to the podcast so that you have that. But we talked about this and about what to do, what the red flags are, if you're no longer safe at home and you need, you can no longer care for that person. So that's something we can give you for information as well, because it's these people who are taking care of those who have dementia and Alzheimer's. Those are the ones who need help now. I mean, there's so many places that we need help, but looking at these facts and figures, that's a lot of people out there that are having to take away from their careers and from their families Mm -hmm. to care for their aging loved ones. What are some other things that stand out to you in the facts and figures report? I think that also uh, what I really found very compelling is this year in the facts and figures report, there was a nice uh, emphasis on malcognitive impairment. And a lot of people may hear the term MCI and not know what that is. And malcognitive impairment is a form of dementia. And about one third of people with MCI due to Alzheimer's disease will develop dementia within five years of their diagnosis. Now, not everybody who has a diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment will eventually have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, but really understanding the impact of that diagnosis and what, you know, the impact that it could have for those who may eventually develop Alzheimer's disease. Some people consider MCI as a precursor Mm -hmm. to Alzheimer's disease. That's not always the case, but it's also important to understand uh, the prevalence of mild cognitive impairment and understanding that 90% of physicians say it's important to diagnose MCI because it's considered an early stage or a precursor to Alzheimer's, but over half say they're just not fully comfortable diagnosing it just because it can be very difficult Mm -hmm. to diagnose mild cognitive impairment because it can be so mild. And it's interesting you say that because here, I would say in the last couple of years, When I talk to families, they'll say, oh, my mom or dad has been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. I am hearing that more. But Mm -hmm. before, and it was always, oh, you know, the doctor said they're just getting older and they, you know, are a little forgetful, a little Mm -hmm. senility. You know, they're using, they were using those terms. So it's interesting now that they are calling it something else and are seeing that there is that um, correlation between it becoming Alzheimer's. When we talk about diagnosing mild cognitive impairment or MCI, it can be it can be tricky. It's just so many factors involved to really determine if that's an accurate diagnosis. Um, but it's definitely worth 
the process because that could definitely help with early intervention if someone is exhibiting symptoms of mild cognitive mm-hmm. impairment. How do they diagnose it? Do they give them like a little test to take or is, do they do something more like an MRI? How do they do it? Well, typically it, it is being tested like you see as far as uh, when we talk about a diagnosis and just the diagnosis process of determining if a person has a form of dementia, you know, a mini cog test that may be done in a physician's office, primary care physician, but the best way to really determine if someone is dealing with mild cognitive impairment is to really get, you know, when we talk about MRIs and PET scans. So getting that referral to take it a step further past the your PCP, not just the mini cog test, which is typically a test where, you know, people are answering questions, they're testing your, your memory, they're testing your expressive receptive language, they're testing how you interpret information, you may have to draw a clock, counterclockwise, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then based on that score, you know, there may be an indication that you're, you ha- you're experiencing cognitive decline, but taking it a step further and getting a referral to a geriatrician, internist, uh, neurologist, anybody who specializes in geriatric medicine to really get that imaging on the brain to really determine if someone is experiencing these changes in their brain health due to mild cognitive impairment. Mm-hmm. What does it show on the MRI when someone is starting to suffer from this? What part of the brain is affected? I'll be very honest. <laughs> get that specific. It really just really, it's really individual. It depends on the individual. But what they're looking for specifically is any type of changes in the brain, specifically any type of shrinkage of brain mm-hmm. cells or any atrophy. So that's specifically what they're looking for. And depending on where it's located, that may also affect the diagnosis as well. Good. Not to put you on the spot there. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that's okay. So that any, is okay. <laughs> any other facts and figures that you found um, that really stood out to you in this report? Well, I think just what's really important is just really the emphasis on mild cognitive impairment, which for me was hopeful because it really speaks to early diagnosis and early treatment Mm -hmm. specifically. And then just more information, having people become more aware of really uh, monitoring their cognitive health and really understanding MCI and understanding just information about it and uh, how it could be related to Alzheimer's disease. Great. Excellent. Such great information. And it's really, it's, it's fascinating to read about. And if you want to learn more, you can go download the full report. And where's the website, Tanisha? Where can they go? They can go to alz.org forward slash facts. And there you can get the infographic. You can download that or you can download the entire report so you can learn more about MCI, learn more about the other statistics we talked about related to Alzheimer's disease and get a really accurate and clear picture of the perspectives of providers as well as caregivers and just the impact that it has on us from a national standpoint and also understanding risk as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much. I think this is such important information and And be sure to watch every year it comes out in March, the uh, Facts and Figures Report. And this is being monitored, you know, all year long, all kinds of resources, all information is coming in. And as Tanisha said, I think it's great information and positive. I would say that is a positive note 
to see that they are really focusing on the mild cognitive impairment because then you can start if you catch it early, the earlier, the better. Absolutely. And then also just really also bringing awareness because as they'll learn by looking at this report that it can be very tricky to diagnose just because subtle changes could be misrepresented as, you know, normal aging or just other changes that may occur or normal aging. So really, really understanding what it is and understanding its connection to possibly Alzheimer's disease, but also understanding uh, early prevention and early, uh, early risk reduction, I should say, and then also early diagnosis. And I think that's important for mm-hmm. people to know. Also, what I wanted to say before we hop off of this topic, Lori, <laughs> is that on this page, if you go all the way down to the very bottom of that page, alz.org forward slash facts, there is not only statistics nationally, but also it's a, it's a tab that says Alzheimer's in each state. So under that title, you can actually select the state that you live in and get the Alzheimer's disease facts and figures for your state. Oh, that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. We will also put a link on the website and on the podcast as well to go there so that you'll be able to find it easily and go look at those statistics. So thank you so much, Janisha. I always appreciate having you on each month to share information with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Be sure to share this information with your friends, your families, and uh, follow our podcast or subscribe to the podcast so you will never miss an episode. We'll see you next Friday. Bye-bye. 